it is not done if we only transfer real meetings into virtual meetings with a full book calendar. This is not what counts when you're talking about also the new normal after pandemic situation. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind Machines in the Gradient Descent. Thanks that you tuned in again to listen and to geek out with us over the fascinating field of AI and the role of human. We are Uli and Aburi, your hosts for this episode, and we are delighted to introduce you to our today's genius mind, Christian Kabusch, the global human resources business partner. Christian is passionate about driving change and putting people first. His aim is to make less successful organizations successful and successful organizations even more successful. And his motto, let's shape the future of work together. And I would say we join him on that journey right now. Christian, we are super happy to have you with us today and that you are taking some time off your busy schedule to be the guest on our AI podcast. How are you and where do we catch you today? Hey, Avery. Hi, Oli. First, thank you very much for the invitation and the time um, to talk with you about change, driving change, making organization more successful, successful. I'm today in Munich um, at, in the home office, of course, so due to this pandemic situation. And I'm feeling very good. If I look outside, Snow has stopped, so the sun is coming out, so everything's fine. Yeah, I can't wait to have, you know, have a beer garden back again. I know it, it takes maybe a couple of, I don't know, months, <laughs> weeks, years, oh no, right? Uh, but, uh, it's, you know, it's desperate, um, you know, engaging to each other. Christian, if you look, if you look, you know, on, on your past or a bit on your Vita, right? How crazy is that? 25 years with Siemens, right? You're pretty much a Siemens baby, I guess, right? So what what was the actual plan before you, you know, you applied for an apprenticeship, I guess, in Erlangen, right? In Franconia somewhere. Um, what was that past like? What there's always, hey, I, I want to be at Siemens and, and live there through, or what was the journey? And can, can you guide us a bit through the journey uh, through the last years? Yes, that's true. 25 years early. So I I cannot believe that I'm so long in this fantastic company, but uh, you said it already, a Siemens child and born in Erlangen, grown up near to Erlangen in a small village. And also my father was with Siemens over 25 years. So it was, yeah, it was clear at the early beginning that maybe I will also join Siemens. But uh, if you ask me, was there a clear plan? maybe not a clear plan in school times. So, so of course I did some internships in different companies in, in an IT company and as well with Siemens. And then the interesting part was that I have, or I did only one application for Siemens and yeah, of course um, I was chosen and I started my my career, my apprenticeship in Erlangen and uh, when I was really young, so it was 15 years old and uh, 
it was very special when you come out of school and then you have to move to your, to an employer, to Siemens and to see a totally new world. So very fascinating at the, at the beginning and also over the time. I can remember my first movement within Siemens was uh, in 1999 and I had the chance to go to Görlitz. And in Görlitz, I started uh, with my colleagues some commissioning activities for the railway business. And uh, that was really exciting for me not to be at home, to be with Siemens in a different place. Um, very interesting for a young, for a young guy in that age, um, to, to see how the world looks like outside of Erlangen and it's not holiday. Um, and in these 25 years, I had a lot of opportunities within Siemens. So as I said, commissioning for railway, then software development, software administration for power plants, power distribution stations, responsible for education in one of our divisions, heading an engineering group of people who are doing engineering for, again, railway systems. And in 2011, I had the opportunity to join the HR community. And at this time, I also studied economics parallel to my, to my career, to my job with Siemens. And uh, that was very interesting to see for me the other side of the coin uh, within HR, not as a manager to use HR processes and uh, very special, very interesting, very different also from a political perspective. And the first sentence which I heard at this time from an HR manager was that you have to came every day with a suit and a tie, you represent Siemens. And that was really strange for me. But of course, in that time, 2011, it was the way how HR was perceived. And uh, after two and a half years, I decided to stay within HR. And then I moved to... Because you loved the, the suit and the tie, huh? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. Sometimes it feels very good. So it would, But sometimes I always don't really like the tie and especially the tie. The suit was okay, but the tie, <laughs> especially, you know, in summer times when it hit 30 degrees, no, <laughs> not really. Yeah, but then it was the decision or I made the decision that uh, I will stay. Uh, but of course there were a lack of experience, let's call it like this. So from the, from the operational side. So I spent 18 months in a local HR department for, um, also education for myself. And, uh, afterwards I moved to a global function in the supply chain management team. And in the last three years, I had the opportunity to join the region in Central East Europe as regional HR business partner and as uh, head of digitalization transformation for GBS in this wonderful region. And since January 21, I'm back and now I'm working for DIHR. So that's it's my little journey in 25 years. And what's the dress code now? <laughs> home office. beard and t-shirt. Yeah, typical home office dress code or office dress code. <laughs> so um, 
both. Both. <laughs> so, of course, both sneakers. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I often use sneakers, yeah, jeans, and uh, hoodies. So hoodies are very, very common, especially in the FA department. So the FA was nominated or was the winner of the Siemens Award last year as best BU, and one of the the gifts for our employees was some hoodies. So. And uh, this is also now part of our business uh, uh, clothes. So hoodies and sneakers. Comfy. So, um, but what a journey. Thanks for sharing that and always experiencing something. And what we are experiencing right now um, are actually very challenging times with the pandemic. And maybe mindfulness and digital detoxing has become more important than ever to recharge and regain focus and energy, right? So how are you actually dealing with this situation? And when was the last time you took some time off to do some digital detoxing? This is a very important topic, I think, especially in the time of this pandemic situation, as you said. The When I'm thinking about that question, digital detox in my point of view means to get out or to get rid of all of these digital devices. Yeah. But in that situation as we are today with that uh, pandemic, in some cases we need much more of the devices to stay in contact with friends and family. So what I did or what I'm doing is that um, I take care of myself and I split up this in three different dimensions. First of all, every day I start with a morning walk at 7.30 for a half an hour. And in this morning walk, I combine that with a morning call with my colleague who's located in Nuremberg. And uh, we talk about the day, the day, last day, and uh, about open topics, what we have to discuss and what we have, where we have to deliver something. Secondly, it's also on the day that I try to set up meetings, not for an hour. I set up meetings for 55 minutes. So that means you have five minute break before you start the next meeting. And that is also very efficient for me to take a coffee, to open the window, to relax a little bit. And uh, the third one is that I also arrange a couple of virtual calls that you drink a virtual coffee with your colleagues. And I think this is also, for me, very important. And also that what we are missing when we're talking about pandemic situation. I mean, of course, we have transferred all of our meetings to from a real meeting to a virtual meeting. But work was much more or is much more as virtual meetings yeah, or meetings with a specific purpose. Yeah, we have the lunch break, we have the way to work, we have the coffee corner, the water cooler, and all these things are missed if we're talking about only virtual uh, collaboration. And therefore, it is really important to do the things through to do these three things: the morning walk, the fifty-five minutes meeting, and the virtual coffee with colleagues. Yeah, nice, loved. So that gives a bit of interaction, right? My interaction is like, uh, you know, uh, my, my daughter screaming at me. That's, that's my interaction. <laughs> I would love to have that back in office. <laughs> uh, speaking of interaction, Gerson, you're a, a very active communicator also in a bit of the social media channels, isn't it? So like Twitter and, and LinkedIn, right? What, what was your last tweet about? And in, in a more 
broader picture, right? We we are seeing quite some, I don't know, transition from, you, you mentioned it, right? That, you know, Siemens, you have to be very strict and formal and, you know, a tie and, and a suit and stuff like that. And, and also, you know, with the policy, what needs to be communicated or how it's going to be communicated. It needs to run through, you know, approval process and stuff like that. But it seems to be that we shift towards, you know, that we shape as individual employee level of an organization, right? The narratives towards digital transformation, towards AI, towards stuff, right? Can you share a bit your view? How important do you think this is? And why are you that loudish and maybe also <laughs> nice, right? Uh, at, at the social media rooms. That's interesting that, that you said that I perceived as a person who's very active on social media and due to the reason that not so many people believe that I'm there since five years. So I'm not as long as since 2011 or 12 or 10, yeah, when Twitter and co and LinkedIn started already. So I'm, I'm really a late bird, let's call it like this. Yeah. But of course I'm there active and um, activity is splitted in two different dimensions is the personal, the individual side uh, and the professional, the business side. And you ask about the last tweet and I want to share with you two things and they are different from a, in a personal world. For example, I saw on the weekend, the video from the police department in Souk, Switzerland, and they created a video where they all the police department uh, did some dancing activities yeah, for employer branding and also to have a little bit fun in these special times. And I shared this video with the police department in Munich and asked them if they want to do the same. Uh, and uh, they also give an answer uh, and say, no, due to license costs, we ha don't have enough money to do that. Yeah. So this is also a little bit of fun part Yeah, to interact with others Yeah, in a very informal way. And I mean, imagine you will never go to a police department and ask them if you can dance for me. Yeah. I mean, you want to do that. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on a, on a, Professional or business side, um, on, I ask, or at the moment, I'm talking a lot about agile development path within the IFA. And mm -hmm. there are a lot of different understandings. There are a lot of fears. There are a lot of open questions within our company, within our business unit. And I ask the community, are there any ideas how you deal with agile development path for employees and what does this mean and this is for me quite interesting to see uh, what others are understand under the term of agile development passes and as well which ideas they have on which trigger points they um, they see to develop this topic forward so much more informal much more across companies yeah Uh, mm. and more exchange on this subject level. So this is what I really enjoy. And I got now in contact with someone from Dr. Oetker. Mm. If you ask me, as Siemens, I never had this in mind to contact someone from Dr. Oetker when we're talking about agile development paths. Yeah. 
Yeah, you add if you add value to network, you get value out of it. Hey, and to quote, because you say like, hey, I'm I'm only five years in in the in the social media room, right? That's um, I I can quote, I guess one of you know the, the oracle of the Maha. I don't know if you know him, Warren Buffett, right? Mm-hmm. He, he gives like this wise financial tips, right? Uh, no no financial tips here in this podcast, obviously, but he says like it's it's not about the point in time where you join in. It's 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 about how long you stay in, right? This is this is what generates value, and I think the same goes out also for social media right it's not not the you know it's not important whether you were the first uh, jumping on on social media twitter linkedin but you know how long are you staying then and how much value you actually provide to the network isn't it of course you're right and i mean that brings me a little bit also to the question of this uh, term of ecosystem yeah and as Mm -hmm. you said it is about how you add value to the system Uh, and i think it is very similar also in the social media area and uh, social media communication yeah that you get a lot of interaction of it of course it costs time yeah to to add value yeah but at the same time i personally believe that you will get a lot of additional insights you get in contact with persons also internally within siemens yeah with our mm-hmm. social media platform um, i'm in contact with persons from south south africa from india from australia which before I was never known that that persons are interested in a topic like digital leadership or something like that. Yeah, this way the world uh, looks like a village or is as small as a village because you can get in touch with whoever you want and exchange about whichever topic you want. That's actually quite, quite fascinating. So Christian, uh, one of your credos is there's no such thing as it won't work because it has to work anyway. So when was the last situation where you had a challenge and it didn't work out at first, but somehow ended up working out and what made the difference there? Can you maybe share a little bit on that? That remembers me a little bit on this uh, one-to-one German translation. So it does not work, does not exist, uh, what you said. And uh, if I'm thinking about that, I will take an example in my time in Austria, in the GBS department, where I was heading this department for transformation and digitalization. And we talked a lot about technology. We talked a lot about online services and so on. Uh, artificial intelligence solution, of course, for cognitive uh, intellig- uh, cognitive systems. And um, we discussed the solution where the, where the user has uh, the opportunity to go to our cognitive assistant, type in some questions, and will be guided directly through to the process. It's transparent, like a tracking number, which you know when you order something online, and at the end also get the feedback and the result in the in the personal folder directly. So that was my my wish, what I had to the team that I want to set it up in this way. And uh, the team came back to me and say, "No, it's not possible." And I asked them again why it is not possible. And uh, they told me it is not possible due to the fact that we have to change our 
um, working environment or our working behavior as an organization. You say, okay, listen, focus on the customer or on the user who's using the process, not about our own organization and department. And then please think about what we can make different also in the case if we as an organization has more effort to perform this task, but in total, we reduce the effort for the employee, the user, or the customer, however we want to name it. And uh, that was quite interesting to see for me that uh, the people were much more focused on our own organization as on the entire, let's call it end-to-end -end process. And it took a little bit of time, and it took also two to three interactions with the team that they understand it's not about us, it's about the company or, as I said, the employee or the, the customer. And uh, that was quite interesting to see, to push the team back, think about again, come again. So it was not a decision or discussion about bad and good. It was maybe we have the chance to make it even better. That was interesting. Nice. Thanks. So speaking of challenge in situations, right, you've, pushed also a bit of, of initiatives, right? N nothing, right? Every, every somehow, you know, energized folk uh, and, uh, you know, in a large organization, right? Uh, tries to shape some, some initiatives in organization, I hope, right? Um, you, you are somehow also behind a bit what's called a digi network, right? Can you share a bit what is the digi network is actually all about and how important and how do you start actually self-organized movements, right? That sounds so easy, right? But in, you know in, in a traditional large organization we are this process driven and if if it's not man made that then i don't do it and stuff like that how do you start such a thing right self-organized digi mindset you know that sounds sounds interesting what is that this is of of course it is really interesting to see how it has developed since 2017 as we have started and uh, to be very open and honest to you I was never ever assumed before that it will be so successful as it is today. And uh, we started in a really, really small group. And the initial starting point was the chief procurement officer of Siemens Klaus Staubitzer. when he asked the management team, if we are doing enough in terms of digitalization and transformation, of course, the organization themselves did a lot of initiatives before. Yeah. It is not a, a greenfield approach. Uh, a lot of organizations are driving initiatives, but the question is, is this enough? And uh, you can imagine the answer was no, it is maybe not enough. And uh, we have to bring people together from different organization to think about independently from the org structure, from a budget perspective, from a political perspective about the term of digital transformation and digitalization, what we need. And that was the really early stage of that Digi network. Yeah? So 16 members across from all functions in procurement within Siemens come together and think about the structure, self-organized work network, etc. And uh, it took some time. It was a half a year. We were very good supported by a consulting company to find our own structure. What does this mean? How do we have regular meetings? What is our aim? What is the purpose? And also how is the link to the business? 
yeah, where we have this organizational responsibility, the budget responsibility, et cetera. And one, one of the takeaways for me was, and we have all, always or often the discussion about the grassroots initiatives comes from bottom up or from top down, or we, do we need both? And one crucial success factor here was that it was initiated from the top management and driven bottom up. And at the, in this stage, we had the freedom to try out new things and to try out new things. And this was also very important are not things which are major projects, for example, to replace uh, a system within Siemens. Uh, it was about the small things. So we limited ourselves to think about topics which are not longer in a, in a project or in a development stage from two, three to six months with a limited number of people and budget. And at the end, we need a result, whatever a result mean. And uh, I think that are crucial success factors also to set some framework for yourself, to have top management support, but at the same time, the freedom to act. So nobody is came or comes to say, you have to go in this direction or you have to do this. So the ideas and the initiatives are created by the network themselves. And over the years now, there are more than, I think, 200 members around the globe thinking about solutions in the field of procurement, supply chain management, and to try out a lot of things. I mean, some things happen, are successful, other things are not successful. And also some great success stories are started there. As you said, the digital mind concept, this is the newest idea from the group. Say, okay, how we can foster the mindset change and the cultural transformation, but as well the digital leader concept, which we have developed in a really early stage, or from a technological perspective, the blockchain topic. Uh, the colleagues experienced very early with blockchain and now they have a solution for Siemens for the CO2 reduction, uh, where we currently are in uh, discussion, how we can leverage that as well outside of Siemens uh, in, in Germany. So very interesting to see what happens there over the last years and uh, how the net network is growing and also how the network is changing. I think this is also very important that the people stay there for two years, three years, and there's a lot of movement. So new people come join the network, other people will leave the network and that is really healthy and keep the network in a, in a way that new ideas occur continuously. So they don't have the, the situation that they stop to create, to create new ideas. So interesting. Nice, nice movement, nice movement. And, and supply chain and, and energy footprint and CS3 footprint is such a great match, right? Um, I, I heard already about it. I'm, I'm super, super excited when it's hopefully publicly uh, announced already, right? Um, and you, you also mentioned, right, we're talking about AI in leadership uh, sometimes and quite often also, right? Um, so you mentioned just the digital leader, right? What, what is for you a digital leader, right? Is that what, what, you know, what contributes to, you know, growing as a digital leader? Maybe also for the outside folks, right? I want to be a digital leader. What, what, so here, here's the three steps, Christian. What, what, what do we need to do? <laughs> or what is the definition for you, right, makes a digital leader? I mean, if it's so easy uh, that we can describe it in 
three points, then I think the work is done tomorrow. Yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> it's not the case. <laughs> sure. I mean, especially uh, it depends also on the company, but digital leader and that what was our driver at this time was that uh, we have in a lot of areas of Siemens, totally different environments. So we have a classical environment where we have to drive our business forward in a way how we did it in the last couple of years, depending on the products, depending on the customers, depending on the general environment, etc. But as well, we have in other areas of Siemens where we, we have to go more for the new technology, as you mentioned, AI, IoT, robotics, blockchain, etc. And that means for me, a digital leader is someone who can balance both. Of course, it depends on the leadership level. Yeah? First level leader may be more focused in one of that both direction. But we use the term of ambidextry, or the ambidextrous leadership. What does this mean? That means we have to balance, exploit and explore. Uh, and also there behind are two different styles of managing business or lead a business. And uh, some people think and believe that leadership get less important in times of digitalization due to all of these technological solutions, which we have. I personally believe, of course, it can be that we have less leadership positions in some cases, yeah? but in total, I believe that leadership is much more complex as before. And uh, as you ask on three steps, first, I believe the first step is self-awareness, where I am. Secondly, what do I need and how do you get there? I think these are the three steps which you need as a digital leader to be aware what are the, what are the right next steps or what are the right next behavior to go forward. Right. Thanks for sharing. And as you just mentioned, that it's getting like more and more uh, difficult or like more and more complex to be a leader today. Maybe that's also um, in in line with uh, the buzz that is around on future work, new work, next work. Um, maybe you can help us out a little bit. So what are the key concepts for you of um, this transformation towards more agility in organizations and what are lessons learned from the current pandemic situation maybe? And uh, what did you find that didn't work at all? I think first we have to differentiate these both words, yeah? next work and new work. Um, and we can do that easily if we look on the time perspective. So for new work, From my point of view, this is what we can do tomorrow different. So we can we can talk about different working methods. We can talk about uh, different ways of collaboration, etc. So there are the, the things which we already know. You talked about agility. So we can use Scrum as a methodology. We can use some Kanban methods. We can use Microsoft Teams for a virtual collaboration. We can use design thinking, etc. So this is for me everything what what comes into the term of new work. The next work topic from a time perspective is something 
what will happen in the next couple of years and how we will work tomorrow. So this is not what happens immediately, but in a time perspective for two to three years. And for me, this is more the strategic part to see how jobs are changing. And uh, to give you there a small example, also from my GBS uh, time in Austria, of course, we have there a lot of administrative tasks to perform. And a lot of them will be replaced by technology, cloud tools, software robots, AI solutions, etc. So that means also the, the jobs of the people will change. And one change could be, as we're talking about AI solution, we have call our cognitive assistant in place. Maybe we remove more people from the administrative part to a kind of a cognitive trainer who trains call yeah, to make call even better for the user. And I think that is that is the major difference between new and next work. And as you're asking me, what are the takeaway of the current pandemic situation? There is one which I already mentioned at the beginning. What we tried for one you know, approximately one year ago is that we transform our real life into a virtual life. So every meeting was in Microsoft Teams or another tool. But I think this is not enough. We, it is not done if we only transfer real meetings into virtual meetings with a full book calendar. That is not, this is not what counts when you're talking about also the new normal after the pandemic situation. Yeah. We have to think about how we want to collaborate for what kind of uh, meetings we are coming together, what is important for us as a team, where we have connection and links to other teams, where it makes sense that we come together, where we have only desk work, where we can work at home. Yeah. And so on. This is, this is a really big topic of that, um, of that new normal after the pandemic situation. And uh, of course, technology worked very well. Yeah, so all the online meetings, of course, the, the first months was a little bit difficult, but that worked well. Also, our general work progress, our results, our finance results, everything fine. But what we miss is this social interaction part with our colleagues and what also counts as for us as human being. Yeah, true. Um, and so what what is the relationship, you know, from from a leadership in, in, in these kinds of, in digital technology, you say, you know, AI will play and play the role in that, right? Um, you sometimes mention that, you know, flattening out hierarchies, right? Um, yeah, sounds, or being on eye level with managers, right? That sounds tempting, right? Isn't, 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 I thought like managers and leaders are actually two different job profiles, aren't they, right? I'm looking for a manager or I'm looking for a leader. It's something different, I, I guess, right? How do you make this show, right? We are a super hierarchical organization. How do you want to flatten hierarchies? Of course, the, as you said, there's a to two total different uh, job profiles. Yeah? And uh, I think that is really something where we have to be aware. But as I said, again, it depends where you are. It could be that you are in an environment, in a business environment, where you have to look for a manager. So what does this mean? A manager is process-driven, hierarchy, guideline-driven, and is doing exactly that or what is described from him. 
and they know exactly what they do and how they have to do it. Uh, in some cases and in some fields, imagine, for example, payroll. Yeah, payroll. It would be good. Yeah, that everybody knows what he or she has to do. Yeah, and what they are doing every month. Yeah, that we have at the end of the month also the money on our bank account. Yeah, so there's maybe not so much room to experiment, yeah, to try out new things. Yeah. And, uh, but if we're talking about try out new things, give freedom to the organization, eye level communication, but sorry, by the way, also in a manager can have eye level communication with his employees. So this, this uh, doesn't matter if you are in an explore or explore environment. Um, but if we're talking about participation, openness, networking, and especially in that area, all this new technology play a crucial role. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, for that, it is really important that we differentiate and we can easily differentiate that, as I said, on what and how. It's mm -hmm. about what is the requirement and how do I get there? And if there aren't some more and more unclear, then maybe I need a leader. People follow you as a leader. They trust you. Uh, you're talking on eye level, you're talking for solutions, you try, try out new things, you are experiment. But if you're in an environment where the what and the how is clear, then maybe you need a manager and a team who is performing in that environment the respective task, which is clearly described. Hmm. Ain't that easy? Ain't that easy? Especially in a world, right, where we are, uh, super fuzzy, super fast, super, you know, we demand adaptability, you know, and, and expect that on, on employee level as well, right? And may, maybe, you know, from, from, from a software development perspective, right, we have this concept of Scrum. So, uh, you know, agile sprints, um, you know, whether it's Scrum or Kanban, you know, and, and usually these kinds of sprints, at least in, in, with us, with us is like, I don't know, two weeks or stuff like that. It's like these kinds of sprints, right? Where you, you shape your stories, you use the stories, you have your deliverables, a definition of done being assigned, you know, in, in order to have something delivered, right? Uh, de depending on the definitions. But um, I'm, on the other side, I've, I've seen also automotive um, that makes somehow transparency how they embrace that. And they, 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 they use partly sprints with three hours. I mean, two weeks versus three hours, right? On the team, which is like super crazy fast. <laughs> right, super crazy fast, norming, storming, forming, you know, within in, in a couple of hours, right? Uh, bringing that together, but also super exhausting, right? Um, and that means also it demands quite some, you know, pressure actually on, on employee level, right? What speed of adaptability in the world of exploration do you find healthy? And how do we make sure that we don't overstretch this concept of adaptability on employee level? This For me, it's really difficult to answer on a number. If you ask me three and a half hours, say could be, maybe, <laughs> yeah, but maybe it could also be five hours. Yeah. Um, what is important from my point of view there is about the culture, how teams are working together and how our organizations are going forward. And there's a, there's a very simple play with words. Yeah, you can say yes, but, or you can say yes and. And if you play this small game in a larger group, you can feel also a different mood of the 
organization. And I personally believe if we have the shorter cycles of interaction in the agile environment, you mentioned three hours, yeah, or if it's four hours or five hours, yeah, then you need an attitude from the people there that they are thinking in a way that yes and so in a positive way to add additional value to the topic also to be able to be adaptive to change the direction and not to feel uncomfortable with that not to feel fear about that what happen maybe in the future and uh, this is the reason why I personally believe it's not about the number of hours. It's about the culture and the personal attitude of people, how they deal with this kind of changes. Mm. And this is also a little bit, I mean, if we are coming from a situation where, I mean, our engineers are proud of that, of what they are doing, yeah? but is now someone coming and say, that was good. That was great, but we need it in a different way. What is the typical reaction of our engineers? And maybe first of all, the defend. Yeah. But if you defend your work, yeah, of course you should talk about it. Yeah. If that the new direction, but if you have aligned on the new direction and you again start to defend your current work, then you will never reach out three days. <laughs> yeah. So. Mm. Diversity is obviously a crucial factor for success, right? Also in, in high-performance teams. However, obviously, you know, it's, it's sometimes not that easy, right, to bring different perspectives, diverse competences, diverse backgrounds, right, and, and histories together, right? We can, sometimes we, it may generate also tension, even so success is, is pretty obvious, right? So how can we foster more diversity also in, you know, in, in in making that thing work and fully embracing, you know, um, and seeing, you know, the advantage and uh, the innovative power of, of diverse thinking. I mean, it's for me, that is one of the uh, often asked questions about diversity. I, I mean, if we are working in HR, then diversity is one of our focus topics, of course. But the question for me is how, how we can embrace diversity and It's not about KPIs from my point of view. It's not about numbers. I mean, diversity itself, it's so colorful. You already said it, Oli. So many different dimensions of diversity, education, age, gender, nationality, etc. There is not only one point, but I personally believe if we really want to foster diversity, then it starts again with our own mindset and our own attitude. I personally believe, and I have experienced that in my last team, diversity can only happen in organization or we can only create diverse organizations if we, if ourselves or if we accept differences. There is no only one way to find a solution. There is, there are more ways, there are more ideas. But if we are looking back yeah, in the past and we already talked about organizations, silos, hierarchies, and so on. Yeah. There was the leader. No, maybe it was the manager. There was the manager yeah. <laughs> with a clear direction. Yeah. And they want to have it exactly like this. And that person also controlled the way to achieve this certain point. And, uh, 
there was no room for different approaches, for different ideas. And uh, if we not accept differences, diversity will not happen. And uh, one of the one of that question is also why diversity is important for us. Of course, there's an individual part, but of course, I personally believe with diverse teams, we are even more successful as we are today. And if we understand this, and if we understand as well differences and different meaning, different ways to to be successful, different approaches, different ideas to achieve a common task, then we are on a way to a really diverse company. Then we are on a way to diverse teams. And of course, this also means stepping out of our own comfort zone. It starts with languages. Yeah? It's continue with time zone meetings. It continues with discussion with colleagues which are not expert in this topic as I am the expert. Maybe they're coming from a different uh, department, but they can add additional value with their thoughts about that. They are looking on the topic from a totally different angle. Uh, so again, as well, diversity means step back, accept differences, and also stepping out of your own comfort zone. And then I'm personally convinced we can create more team success. Or even celebrate differences. How cool is that? <laughs> Not accepted. You get the party rocking, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, and Christian, so this is also an AI podcast. So maybe we should talk a little bit more about AI, right? So if you look inside or outside the Siemens Cosmos, do you see any innovations or advances in the field of AI that have inspired you or that you feel very passionate about? Of course, I love to talk about AI. Uh, as, I, as I said, I'm not this original HR person, so I joined HR with a technical background. So, so I love it to talk about um, artificial intelligence solutions. If we look outside, I mean, maybe we can see much more artificial intelligence solutions in our private life at the moment. Yeah. It starts with these small apps, and we also talked about these social media activities yeah you can use a lot of these apps where you can change your photo you can manipulate colors and so on yeah all of the most of them are also based on some ai technologies uh, on some cloud services uh, behind so this is what the most of the people are not seeing If we're talking about responsible AI, and I think this is a, a really important topic, if we're talking about technological progress in general, especially when AI, then we hear a lot about the face recognition topic and what are countries are doing with that. Of, to be honest there, I have a little bit concerns about that, especially when we're talking about social credits or something like that in combination with face recognition. So this is very, uh, a very, very different uh, or different um, topic or as well the ranking of some uh, Uber or some other MyTaxi uh, apps where artificial intelligence or the usage of data in general creates uh, a ranking or a 
give you access or no access to a larger pool of customers, etc. So this is very, very difficult from my point of view, where we have to uh, think about. But in general, of course, all of that robotics topics when it comes to AI are very impressive to me. I mean, a robot cannot only do this one, two, zero uh, movements. Uh, so it's really able to do movements uh, like a human. So very interesting to see for me. So what, what role plays AI then in HR? You know, maybe it's humans or it's some kind. Are there any cases where you're like, oh, pretty dope? Love that. Yes, of course. There are more and more thoughts about AI, and they are coming a little bit the sorts as well from our business AI utilization. If we're talking about um, customer service, where we guarantee availability, for example, or in the manufacturing, um, where we also ensure quality and reduce effort at the same time, all of that examples are also taken by HR. And uh, we think about how we can also use that great technology for us. And uh, I already named Carl uh, sometimes. And uh, Carl is one of these uh, cognitive assistants which we have in place, our chatbot. And we have them now since, I think, th more than three years all over the globe in a lot of countries, not in all, but in a lot. Mm. And we have seen the power of Carl last year it was exactly, it was March 2020 when we got in, got in the first lockdown. We had a lot of uncertainty. We not have so many clear answers. What does this mean for our employees, for our customers? How can I go for, to the customers in the future? What do I need? Which regulations are in place? So, so many questions from our employees and, uh, if all of that questions will ask to an HR person, yeah, we will not manage that. And to give you some numbers, for example, with Carl, we have around 3000 human interactions in per month in Austria. If the pandemic situation happens in March to April, we had 12,000 interactions. And if we have to answer all of that interactions or questions by humans or by the service department, it would be impossible. So yeah. that shows me that this kind of technology, and at the same time, it's not only the numbers of requests, it's also about the satisfaction of the answers. And both are very high. And uh, that shows me that this kind of technology will help us in a lot of this repetitive task, in this administrative task, but also to answer questions 24 hours, seven days per week. And uh, that creates a lot of more certainty for our employees last year. And it was very, very well uh, recognized by the management and the employees. Yes, and it also increases satisfaction probably uh, but I, I'm so impressed. I didn't know that it was um, so so many uh, requests that you're getting. Um, Christian, we're already at the final question. Time's really flying. But um, so you've been um, part of so many fascinating uh, initiatives um, in different places of the world. 
are there some lessons learned that you want to share with uh, with the audience, with young talents out there who who want to make a difference in large corporations such as Siemens? This is uh, interesting. A lot of young talents uh, from university, from development programs are asking me this kind of question. How can I start? What can I do? How do you have started yeah, to drive so much initiatives? And uh, of course, sometimes you need also a little bit, a portion of luck uh, that you are in the right place at the right time, that people want to do something and you can do it with others. But I'm personally convinced, especially when we're talking about our talents, yeah, then there are so much ideas. They have so much energy, but they have to start and to start small. This is what we, what we are doing within Siemens often is we're not only thinking big, we are also starting big or large. Yeah. And this is also sometimes the problem where we are struggling at the end that we're starting too big. Start small, start in an area where you can make the difference as an individual. Look for people who can support you and show at the end with that what you have done and benefit to the organization. And then I'm totally convinced we will have much more of that initiative as we have already talked about it. I love that. Think big, start small. Yeah. Maybe that will be the caption of this episode. <laughs> so, um, Christian, thanks so much for your time and for being the guests um, of this session. But before we finish this episode, we want to play our final game with you, Authentic Autocomplete. So let me give you for the closing a couple of sentence starters and you will just finish. Okay. So Siemens is? So colorful. I like that. Leading talents within the field of AI and IoT is? Like a relationship. Nice one. <laughs> Innovation is? Exciting. Love that. My favorite quote is? Like John Lennon said, uh, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Beautiful. And the world should have more of? Courage and confidence. Double C and an alliteration <laughs> like that. <laughs> and now uh, the last one, but it's uh, quite a tough one. So if I could invent a rule for everyone in the world to follow, it would be? Stay yourself. Nice. Hey, Christian, thanks so much, you know, for being that open and sharing this time and your views on, you know, on the on the role of AI, but also, I guess, on, on transformation and what it means driving self-empowerment and self-organization, making things move, basically, or as you like, making successful companies even more successful or getting on the path. So thanks so, so much for, you know, um, you know, visiting us, coming to us and, and talking to us. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you to you both. So it was, it was really a pleasure to talk with you both about that topic. And, uh, it was amazing. So it, it was my first time yeah, to do it like in a podcast. So thank you again. Yeah. And folks out there, stay tuned. There is a, I guess a little more, more to come. I don't know what, but it will be awesome. So stay bold, committed and open-minded. And we hear us at the next Siemens AI podcast. Cheers. <laughs>